I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You're listening to Kicked Back presented by Uber One. Uber One is a membership that lets you save across Uber Eats, Uber Rides, and everything in between. Enjoy unlimited $0 delivery fees, 5% off of eats, 5% off of rides. And if you join Uber One today, you can get your first month free. Visit uber.com slash Uber One for details. All right, everyone. Happy start of the World Cup. This is Kicked Back. I got Liam here with me as usual. And then we have a guest co-host coming on with us during the World Cup. His name is Nathan Santos of the Jersey Wall. So I'll let Nathan have the floor here in a second. But this is Kicked Back presented by Uber One. And we're super pumped because the World Cup has started. We're thrilled. We're thrilled, aren't we? We are. Good times all around. Nathan, tell us about yourself. All right. How's it going, Kickback audience? My name is Nathan Santos, host of the Jersey Wall podcast, a footy podcast. I would say the second best one on this side of the Atlantic because I'm now joining what is obviously the best one uh, on this side of the world. I've been creating soccer content for a long time or football content. If you're going to get annoyed that I just called it soccer, that's fine. We're at the World Cup. I'm here to help out. I'm here to give my takes, my opinions and to showcase the greatest jersey collection known to man. Yeah. That's a how, how many you got there, Nathan? Your guess is as good as mine. You know, I can't count that high, Liam. That's the problem. I'm embarrassed to tell you. I can't, I can't count that high, brother. I've lost track. It's 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 infinity. I, I don't know, probably like 70, I'd say. Okay. I'll have to get you a Bolton Wanderers one to throw on there too. I will put it up gladly. The only one that will never make this wall is a Liverpool jersey. Which, Fair enough. <laughs> careful because for hey. some reason, there's a lot of Liverpool fans who listen to this podcast. And well, that's okay. I slander them all the time on the Jersey Wall podcast. This is just, it's part of my charm. Listen, death, taxes, hating Liverpool fans. It's just what it is. It's the banter. It's the culture. I I love it. And with uh, Liam, you're going to notice every episode we're on, Liam throws out like a nice golden nugget about Bolton. And I swear he's like the biggest expert on the club. It's so funny. He always has something to say and be like, oh, that guy played or that goal was scored. It's so funny. I love it. Liam, what's up with you? You good? I'm good. Today was nice. We didn't have to wake up at six o'clock in the morning yet for a game. So this was a good, easy Sunday for me. Um, Nathan, actually, I guess that would have been a good time for you, right? What was that? 11? Yeah, 11 a.m. Rolled up, came back home and started watching the, the ceremony. So, I, you know, I feel almost bad for you guys because I feel I felt like I had a bad waking up at five for tomorrow's games and such. Or I guess if they start that early, I'm going to wake up even early. But for you guys... You guys are going to be up at, what, 2, 3 in the morning to watch those games? 
Yeah. I don't know if I'll make that one at three o'clock in the morning, but I'll, <laughs> I'll be up the at dedication six. of international fans is something not spoken about enough because we're yeah. waking up at all hours of the day to support countries that we're not even from. Oh my gosh. It, well, I mean, that's what I was saying to my husband today. We were watching Ecuador and Qatar and I'm like, this is why it's so good to watch every game of the World Cup because people who don't know Ecuador or haven't heard of Valencia, they don't really know what he can bring. So it's like these little tidbits that you miss out on, the v, the VAR call that you miss out on, you know, yeah. just the fans chanting. I think Ecuador fans were chanting that they want beer. Um, these are all the little <laughs> things that you miss out on when you don't watch, like maybe I would say, I say this respectfully, but the smaller teams play at the World Cup because there's always some type of you know drama and juice that comes out of these games. But yeah, mm-hmm. let's let's start out with the opening game. Obviously, two nothing for Ecuador. And Nathan, I wish you were on our prediction show because I know that you also have Ecuador coming out of this group with the Netherlands, and so do I. So Don't tell worry. us, like, how do you feel? Some smart cookies over here, aren't we, Caroline? Yeah, listen, we we previewed a lot of this over on uh, the Jersey Wall podcast. I'll plug that off the top because. Yes, we've done tons of previews on that. Um, we did talk about Ecuador being not necessarily a dark horse of the tournament, but one that I think could surprise people in this group, right? I think everybody thinks the Netherlands is a lock, myself included. But amongst Senegal, Qatar, and Ecuador, people might have slept on what Ecuador actually have to offer. And Caroline, you're right when you said they finished fourth in a very, very tough South American qualifier. And you look at who finished ahead of them, it's the two favorites for the tournament and then probably one of the strongest dark horses in the competition. So to edge out those other teams who are all edging for that fourth spot, I think says a lot about them. And then today, you know, I'm actually a little bit impressed that we didn't see them set up in in their, you know, what it's come to be known as the, their low block, their 4-4-2, just like, we're not going to score a lot. You're not going to score a lot. And that's just how we'll approach the tournament. I think if there was ever a game for them to be expansive, it was today. And while it was a little bit frantic at times, don't get me wrong, their 4-4-2 was more like a 4-6 at times because they were really like heavy on the pressure that whenever Qatar made a mistake. I was really, really pleased to see that they embraced the opportunity and wanted to show everybody, no, we're not just going to set up in this low block and be comfortable to finish third. We're going to go out and attack because we have to gain momentum going into the Netherlands game. I, I think it was interesting too, the way they came out in the first half, like it almost felt like they knew they were going to be able to score a ton of goals mm-hmm. and they just went for it and just went to win the game in 45 minutes. And then the second half really took the foot off the pedal, but until right it to the end, like I don't even know who it was running down the wing for Qatar, but he had like five Ecuadorian players around him. And he's just, I don't know. They're, they're a very interesting team. I'm intrigued by them a lot, how well they'll do, especially with Saudi Omane now gone for Senegal, but man, Valencia, like that man should have had a hat trick in the first okay. half, like pretty controversial call. So if he had that, he would have had the record for the most consecutive goals in a world cup by a player for his country. So wow. he can still do it, of course. Like, he, if he scores the next goal for Ecuador, he would hit it. But right now, he's at five, and the last three came in the 2014 World Cup. What a player. It's, it's so, like, he's, it's so exciting to watch, like, moments like that happen. Like, to think that he scored two goals. Like, people are like, oh, it's Qatar, it's easy. But I'm like, it's right. never easy to mm-hmm. score a goal against a country. Not to mention, this is the opening game of the World Cup. Everyone has nerves, right? Like, even if you're probably the most experienced player, there's some level of, like, nerves. Because, you know, every single person in the world's probably watching this game. And he scored two goals in the first half. It's not easy to do. Sometimes players finish a tournament with two goals. This guy's scoring yeah. goals. He... he 
He should have had three. Uh, so I don't know. I, I like the way Ecuador plays South American football. It's a tough team to play because they're nifty. Um, and they have, they play with emotion, right? Like they, they're a team oh, that yeah. can, I remember watching Chile play once live and I was like, this team is way better. Was than that I here? Know. Was that against yes. Brazil at the right? Yes. I was there. That honestly, I was, I, was, too. I was watching that game, Nathan. I'm like, this is a tough team to, to play for like, obviously their skill set, but they're a very emotional team. And oh, I think yeah. South Americans can bring that to, to the game. So uh, yeah, I, I, I like Ecuador. I think that they had a pretty good performance. I do think that they need to be a lot more organized in their back line at times. I think the Netherlands can expose them a little bit, but we'll see. Like Liam said yesterday on the pod that he, he has Senegal going through, but he also like wouldn't be surprised if Ecuador goes through. So I think it'll be one of those maybe moments if it comes down between a, an Ecuador and a Senegal to see, you know, what team's able to make it out of the group. Yeah. What I liked seeing from, from them today, I think Ecuador's like bread and butter, to be honest, is setting up in that low block and being hard to break down. And I think today they were able to be a little bit more frantic, but it was only to capitalize on Qatar's clear lack of quality to be able to take yeah. over the game, right? Against Senegal, I would trust that they are going to be more defensive oriented. And I've I've said before, I think Piero Hincapié is a massive part of that. I think that this is going to be a big tournament for him and a lot of eyeballs will be on him. He's one of Ecuador's probably star center backs. Against a game like Senegal, I don't know if they're going to be creative enough to break down the low block, but we've seen today how quick Ecuador can play in transition and how they're comfortable to not just set up in a low block, but a mid block and then spring on that pressure oh, yeah. and try to capitalize, right? I think that it's a team, it's that like Latin, that Latin X factor, isn't it? Just that flair that they bring. That's what I mean. Just, it's fun. It's fun to watch. You can't, it's, people are saying, oh yeah, I don't know if I'm going to watch Qatar versus Ecuador. What do you mean? It's the first game in the tournament. It comes every four years. And you're going to have a Latin team playing in it. Come on, man. That's everything you need. That's a recipe it, for success. There is a Latin flair to them. I swear. Like that's what I mean by emotion. I don't know if you saw this, but like, you know, when Valencia was like in the net in the corner in the first half, mm. like he was actually standing in the net and oh, the ref yeah. told him to get out. And like Valencia, like looked the ref up and down he yeah. was just kind of like and even my husband was like whoa did you see that look and I'm like this is what I love about the South American teams because it's almost a mind game for them and they'll do these little things that catch a team off guard or try and yeah. position themselves in a net which like I personally have never seen that before and I'm like right. this, is, this is a team that's cheeky like I feel like they have like a yeah. cheeky style to them so I'm, I'm happy for Ecuador Sucks for Qatar that they became the first host nation to lose their opening game of the World Cup in like World Cup history. But also shout out to Ecuador on the other side of things to 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 be the team to to kind of break that record. Well, well, here's the thing: like a win is a win, right? Mm -hmm. So Qatar now there will be etched in history as the first team to ever lose that game. That's a record for them, right? So if they want to be remembered for something, they're not going to be remembered for being another team that successfully won the first game. Now you're going to be able to look at the history books and be like, wow. We were the first team to ever lose that. That's a big deal. Whether or not you want it to be, that's, that's still a big deal. <laughs> Breaking records for all the wrong reasons. I feel yeah. bad for Qatar. They struggled. Their goalkeeper was, um, I don't know. How bad? To... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honestly, exposed, heartbroken. Very exposed. You know? I feel for him. I'm sure it was, you know, the biggest stage for all of them for the first time of their lives. Qatar's never been in a World Cup. I mean... Mm imagine mm -hmm. right so i'm sure they were all feeling it but they didn't play a good game i think a team that's probably going to lose every game from here on and that's just my opinion yeah. i don't know if you guys yeah. feel the same way 100%. i mean i feel like today was gonna be the day i don't think it mattered if they played senegal ecuador or netherlands like your first game of the tournament you're hosting like you would probably expect 
to put your best performance forward. And mm. right from the get go, it was just not not good. Like, did you guys hear the the countdown to the start yeah. of the game where he kicked off at three? Like, <laughs> they were doing a ten second countdown and they kicked off the ball at three. And I I tweeted, I was like, man, that just seems so fitting for the way this tournament has just kind of been built up and the way yeah. it's going to go that the countdown couldn't even be done correctly. And it was just. It felt like right from the get-go, Ecuador knew exactly how to attack them, and it was get balls into the box and just throw it around and do whatever you can do to like get it towards the net, and it just threw, threw Qatar off so much, and they just couldn't deal with it. And yeah. how are they going to do that against the Netherlands? Like I just, the Netherlands could put five or six past them, maybe more. Honestly, if they bring their A game, like it could get very embarrassing from Qatar. And also, one thing I wanted to kind of bring up, not the offside call for what it was, but how worried were you guys at first when the offside was called? We're like, oh, is this, did they really pay people off to get this game going? Because that's exactly what I thought at first. And then they eventually showed the replay. I was like, okay, fine, whatever. But I was like, oh, that's a bit, bit concerning because I did not look offside initially. Let's talk about it. What do we think? Do we think it was offside or not? Well, honestly, like I made the I made a reaction video right away to that because I was like, here we go, it's starting. Like that we know in the rule book, right? Football heritage writes, you may not score against Qatar. That's what they were going into this tournament. Everybody would have said, you know, hey, anything that happens, even even if it's not controversial, it's going to be controversial because there's no way you can score against Qatar because they're not losing their opening game. And we <laughs> saw exactly that. And I think every all of us kind of forgot that last man rule with the center back, if he becomes yeah. the furthest player back, that he, that it's now he's the keeper. So the offside is measured yep. further up. But in real time, you look at the still image, you're like, guys, you're forgetting to measure the defender who's standing in front of the open goal. Like, how is this possibly going to be called back for offside? Liam, you're absolutely right. The very first thing I thought was, oh, here we go. And then <laughs> when they scored the penalty, eventually, when they conceded the penalty, I went, was that one offside too? Is there some, what's wrong with the with the penalty now? How are we going to pull this one back? Because we have to justify why that one can't count either. No, I mean, I said today before the game, if Qatar wins this, I, I don't know how much I would enjoy watching <laughs> yeah. the rest of the world. Well, I don't know how much mm-hmm. I would enjoy watching the rest of the World Cup because uh, you would assume that many of these games are fixed. Yeah, and and I know that that's been a conversation in football for many years. Sadia A specifically, when I was growing mm-hmm. up, you know, Juventus had that massive scandal, right? Mm-hmm. I believe they even got relegated for yeah. a season because of paying the refs off. So I, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have sat well with me. Cause I'm like, wow, this is, you know, we, we wait four years for this tournament. And if, if Qatar deserved to win that game and they won, that's a different story. But if it was, you know, questionable and controversial, I would have been like, okay, well now this kind of from the get from the first game kind of put a damper on the game. So I'm glad that, you know, Ecuador found a way. And then that penalty by Valencia was textbook. Those are my favorite yeah. penalties when they're easy and almost casual like he casually placed it. It was enough to get into the back of the net um, and obviously beat the keeper on the other side. So glad Ecuador won, but could have been bad. Could have been bad with that initial call. You know, what probably happened, right? We all saw the the tweets and the reports that started to come out saying Ecuador players were offered north of $7 million mm-hmm. to lose in the second half. So I think what happened here was they rescinded that offer and then they proposed it to Senegal. They said, all right, you know, we'll take the, we'll take the loss in the first game. That's fine. They're on to us. Senegal, same offer for you. Can we beat you in the second game? And now that's the problem now is that every time Qatar do anything even remotely noteworthy, we're going to say, did they earn that? Or was this yeah. was this corruption, right? And it, do you know what? For the players, that's just not fair. I agree. Yeah. Because 
you look back at what they've been able to accomplish. What were they semi-finalists in the gold cup? Didn't they win the mm. Asian cup? Something like only last year or whenever that was like, mm. they've had success as a squad. And I, I don't think that was the best performance. They ex- like, they should have had like, there's some quality in that team. I mean, they, you don't have the success they've had in tournaments just by being a fine team. Like they've got some talent there. Hopefully we can actually just see it to save the players the embarrassment of going to this World Cup and everyone just laughing at them for three games. I would like yeah. I was kind of rooting for them to score a goal. Like right at the end, yeah. uh, Montari yeah. had that great chance. That would have been one of the best goals probably in World Cup openers ever, where he just like half volleyed and it just went over the bar and then yeah. end of the sec end of the first half, just missed the header. Like you're kind of hoping it happens, but I don't know. I just, I really don't see it. Again, maybe Senegal, I suppose, but Netherlands, that's going to be a tough one for them for sure. Hmm. I always feel bad for the host, like I, I, the host nation. I, I watch that game and I do feel a little bit bad for Qatar because, you know, all their home fans are there cheering and they have that expectation and it's about making your country proud, right? right. Like I do feel for them a little. I really do hope they at least score a goal um, because that would be nice to have their fans witness that. But if we're being honest, I think the most amount of people probably tuned into this opening match of the World Cup. And I like, do you think a lot of people are going to probably watch a Qatar Senegal or a Qatar Netherlands? Um, if especially during work hours, like this is a unique World Cup where a lot of people are probably working during those times. So I think this was their biggest opportunity to kind of put on a show, at least mm-hmm. for the world outside of Qatar. And yeah, it wasn't their best performance at all, at all. So we'll see. Hopefully it can only go up for here from here for them. I yeah. I may maybe I'll tune in for the Netherlands game, but I was just looking through the fixtures and they play Senegal at six o'clock in the morning here. That's what I mean. Bef- yeah. And then the, the Netherlands one is eight AM, but also that's at the same time as Ecuador Senegal, right. which could be the decider for second place in the group. So yep. I don't know. Maybe I won't watch. And then England Wales. So I'll definitely be in for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Nathan, who do you have winning the World Cup? Uh, I am a long-standing supporter of the Brazilian Seleção. I think that Brazil are an absolute inevitable force, and I understand that Argentina have have drawn a lot of names. I understand that I'm even talking to somebody who believes in Argentina to win the World Cup. I hope I think that this will probably end up being a semifinal, not a final, just because the way the bracket is laid out, and then that will be like the bragging rights derby for all intents and purposes. But I think that. Brazil's squad cohesion and talent and balance is is unmatched and I and I respect the run that that Argentina have gone on as of late and the the unity that that squad has and trying to get Messi over the line for what is like the written in the stars as the greatest possible story ending to his career I'm just I'm not here for it it's not that Mm -hmm. I don't want it to happen for him it's that I just don't think that anything can stop Brazil from winning except for Neymar I think if Neymar decides to be the player that he was in 2018, trying to just be selfish, play, like, and he was more immature then, right? But he was playing very selfishly. He was constantly going to ground. You just, you know, the noodle hair we all remember. It wasn't, it wasn't convincing. The form he's been in this season for PSG, I think we've seen a level of maturity that we haven't seen before. And with the double pivot of uh, Bruno Guimaraes and Casemiro, I think behind him, I just, I don't see where people can beat them. You can make an argument that they're weakest at fullback, but that's like, really, that's what's going to cost in the tournament is that at fullback, they're going to be got at the center backs, the spine, the the flare up top and the amount of goals that they have in them. I, I don't see how anybody's going to beat them. 
Just quickly on Brazil, it's funny you say the fullbacks because I said like, yeah, that's the weakest spot on their team. But I completely agree. Like it it won't expose them by any means because if you get by them, then hello, there's Thiago Silva waiting for you. Like it's our our Allison or whoever you want. Like it's it's a weakness. I I think that's very obvious when you look at the team, but it's not an exposure. Like this team is it's. The bet probably the best team in the World Cup, right? Yeah. Arguably, I like I don't talent wise, balance wise, I think that nobody has what they have. Yeah, from from level to level, it's great. Yeah. Um, one question I wanted to ask the two of you was, after seeing that first game, have your expectations changed for Qatar and Ecuador in a negative or a positive? Like I know the two of you think Qatar, like we, uh, sorry, Ecuador off the top are going to advance out of the group. Do you have now better expectations for them or is it hard to say after just one game? Such a good question. I was actually talking to my dad about this. My dad's my soccer guy or football guy. So <laughs> I call him all the time. And we were saying that Ecuador's a really good team and they're quick. Yeah. You know, Nathan, you mentioned how fast they are in that attack. They keep the yeah. ball well. You know, your typical South American team. I do think that these games are tough. One, the opening day is tough because there's nerves. There's that That's always going to play a factor. I do think when you play an opposition like Qatar, those games are actually really, really hard to have like this unbelievable performance against unless you're like a super stacked team. I, so in that sense, I'm like, okay, I, I, I like really like the way Ecuador played and I'm still confident that they'll get out of the group, but they really need to defensively get organized in some situations. That's one thing that I was like, Qatar almost found a lane a few times in a couple scoring chances that when they're playing Netherlands, that's 100% a goal. So there's just a, a few things I think that they need to clean up, but I like, I, I like this team and I, I think that they can get out of the group still. You know, I think at times they probably got a little bit overzealous today. But I don't think that they will be, I think they'll be much more composed when playing against Senegal and especially against Netherlands because they know they're going to have to defend from deeper. Exactly. And they actually have quite a few, like, don't get me wrong, Pervis Stupinan is very reckless. Like, that's the player that he is. He's always going to do. He's going to be prone to, to committing fouls and to make mistakes. But Hincapié isn't. And I think that their structure, especially with the two center midfielders when they play a 4-4-2, can cover a lot of ground and really frustrate teams that are trying to build through either the middle. And then if you're spraying out wide, then best case scenario, you're going to try to win free kicks, right? And then beat them from set pieces. Like that's not a a convincing way to beat a team like that. So it might be a little bit too early for me to say how it's affected my perception of them going forward, but only because I haven't seen England play yet. I have to see, because the way I have the bracket lined up is that if, if Ecuador finish second and England top their group, that's the next round's fixture, Right. So my Who wins that game? Well, I, I would imagine England, but I have to see how they play mm-hmm. because I think England have a bit of an identity <laughs> shift right now. I think England are going through a bit of a, a, a an identity crisis, if you will, because Gareth Southgate has a clear vision for what his team to be, despite the fact that nobody agrees with it, right? We all think, okay, but hold on. Bellingham's much better in a three than a two. Your center backs that you brought, you left your two best English center backs at home in Tamori and Smalling. Why are they not coming with you to the mm-hmm. World Cup, right? Like, There are many, many questions around England's team. And I think that if they are forced to play a little bit more expansive in the group, I don't think that'll be their strategy come the knockout rounds. At which point, do they revert back to what they were in Euro 2016? Or do they continue with the momentum that they've built from the group stages? Answering that question will determine how well I see Ecuador doing. Because if they're just going to both play standoffish and not let each other and both just give each other possession. I don't, I think that's gonna be such a boring round of 16 game. Whereas if England play expansive, 
I might think, oh, you know what? Ecuador could probably get them. But, but, but you have Ecuador forced. getting out of the group. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think Ecuador are going to finish second and, and, and end up playing England. I just don't know how that fixture will go until I see how England's identity is formed at this tournament. Um, Liam, same question to you. Do, do you still feel confident? And I know we haven't seen Senegal play, but watching Ecuador play today, do you think that maybe they have more of a chance than you assumed initially to get out of the group? Um, yeah, I think so. And I think most of my opinion is now because of Sadio Mane. Like, yeah. it's, just, mm-hmm. like it's such a such a deal breaker for Senegal. Like, I don't really know what this team's going to look like without them. So I guess it's hard to give a real opinion on both of them. But like we kind of said on the prediction show too, I wouldn't be shocked to see Ecuador come through. I think this is a mm-hmm. good group of a good team that's that's come through together. Like they've done well in previous like youth tournaments and a lot of the guys have grown together and played well as a team. And today I liked what they did. Like they didn't just allow the game to kind of dictate itself like they dictated the game i think that shows a lot of confidence in what this team has and also in what the manager must have towards his team too so i'm very curious to see how they do against the netherlands i guess on the qatar front i i kind of spoke about them a little bit on our last episode just how i thought they might be a little bit better than we thought and they just they were horrible i I literally googled in the first half (laughs) who are the worst teams to ever make it to a world cup and somehow england 2010 was number eight on the list which was shocking <laughs> no. um, who wrote that who wrote that yeah i don't know no <laughs> no free ads on this podcast but yeah. the the uh yeah i don't know qatar gonna have to do, turn a lot of things around some bright sparks that we spoke about already but defensively holy yeah. moly just put 11 men behind the ball and see what you can get out of the game to be honest that might be the best strategy for them right now um yeah. i also hope and i completely agree liam I also hope that uh, Valencia is healthy, right? Like, because that looked like a, you know, Mike's the physio. He was like, oh, that was a hyperextension, like whatever. That looked like that Mm -hmm. hurt. You know, when you get those like weird bone bruises in football or those just weird extensions that they're not a detrimental injury, but they kind of make it difficult for you to be in normal stride in the game. I feel like that's what happened to him. Uh, And he's obviously a key part like uh, of this Ecuador team scores the first goal of the World Cup this year. Uh, scored Ecuador's opening goal of the World Cup in 2014. And then crazy, hold on, I'm pulling up this next stat. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ecuador's last five FIFA World Cup goals have been from him. Three in 2014 and so far two in 2022. So just yeah. like a major piece to the puzzle for Ecuador. He needs to be in health and, and hopefully he's good to go in the next game or when, you know, Ecuador really need him. So, yeah, he's been plagued by injuries his entire career. And we, we look at this tournament being like the last one for so many legends of the game, you know, Ronaldo's and Modric and Messi. And so and now I'm going to add Enner Valencia to that list, like a world cup cult hero of this, of this, mm -hmm. of this style who's coming in now. And this, this will be the last time that we see him play. Right. I don't think he'll, he'll feature for the squad again beyond this tournament. So I think he's going to want to set that record, Liam, that you had mentioned, right. Most consecutive goals, uh, mm -hmm. for a nation in a row Crazy. for an explosive player like him I would imagine that you know injuries like this that will affect his explosiveness are going to hurt especially if Ecuador are looking to hurt teams in transition if he cannot beat players off the shoulder in the same way not that he's going to beat Virgil van Dijk off the shoulder right but just you know even in terms against um, against Senegal if they're spraying out wide and he's got to come in like there's no easy avenues to score against those teams because both of them defensively are very very good but you'd imagine that their star man and their 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 target man up top is going to be the one to kind of break that lock. And if he's not going to be fit for it, then then yeah, Ecuador are going to have a bit of a tough time, especially because listen, like Senegal, it's not disrespect to them when I say that I think Ecuador would finish above them, right? We, we've spoken about this. I had them finishing third with Mane in the team. Without, I think they're less likely to, to advance because it'd be silly to say that they're more likely now that their best players out. But I would also like to mention reconfiguring a squad and attack sometimes works out better than people think because it, it it's your your opposition can't just approach it the way they might mm -hmm. have thought they could have right it might have been like like when egypt play and teams were like cool let's just quadruple mark um salah because if he's not scoring the team won't <laughs> if they take out if they take out Mane and then they have their players and they rely on them because my co-host on the jersey wall podcast uh he's egyptian so he watches a lot of afcon games and he said he's like dude uh amadou diang from from Marseille, Ismail Assar are different levels for the national team. And I think if Mane isn't there, the teams don't necessarily know who to gravitate towards and who to stop an attack. I think that might actually help Senegal in ways that they probably didn't expect. Didn't help Liverpool. Just nope. kidding. Just yeah. kidding, Liverpool. Yeah, right. Fans. It didn't. I'm Just not kidding. kidding. <laughs> We have to I want all one, the smoke. We have to throw one jab at Liverpool for Absolutely. a show. Um, don't come for me. Okay, listen, did you guys hear this? Um Mike was telling me about this today. There was this guy who last year placed all these bets. And they said that if this, if his world cup winner prediction comes true, that he has to be this time traveler because he's gotten every single final, right? Yeah. Like he predicted the NHL Stanley cup champions, super bowl champions. He predicted AC Milan winning the Scudetto, which isn't, which is like a hot take because they hadn't yeah. won it in over a decade when AC Milan mm -hmm. won it. Um, and this year, so among all the things that he picked, he has France winning the World Cup. And I'm like, well, shit, because that's my biggest flop at the World Cup right now. Yeah. Um, and then yesterday when we find out the biggest heartbreak of all time, that Benzema is not in the World Cup. And I'm so 
freaking sad because I was like, he's going to win the Ballon d'Or. And if he wins the World Cup, this is his year. And I just want mm. all of it for Benzema because it's in the later years of his career. And I just feel find that to be so awesome. Poor guy's out. And if France win the World Cup, one, I'm completely wrong in my prediction, which I'm totally mm. fine with being wrong. Two, I didn't think this France team had it in them. And three, time travel's real. So... <laughs> Well, um, think crazy. about this, right? He turned a $26 bet into, they've currently offered him a payout of $86,000. So if he were to take it right now, he's going to leave with 86,000. If he were to stay in France wins, he's going to win half a million. But I, I would, I, I would say, I would say, because we are saying yeah. like, even this Fran, like France team, if you want to say whatever you want to say about them, they're still freaking stacked. Like they were stacked yeah. team with Benzema or not. Like they've got players. I just, I just don't think that they're most, the, the most consistent. And I wonder you know, what the camaraderie is like in that locker room. Again, I have no inside scoop. This is just me reading random stuff on the internet. Yeah. Um. So who knows, but absolutely could happen. Like that would be wild if that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I wish I could play place best like that. <laughs> you could leave. If anyone could Liam, it's you. And I would do it on cool bet. <laughs> <laughs> you Quick sure plug. would. You sure would. Do you guys... Hearing that, would you would you say you'd put your money on France just based on how no. successful <laughs> this guy's been? I'm taking eighty six thousand no. dollars and I'm running away. Thank really? you very much hey? for the okay. eighty six grand. Yeah, France. Are, listen, I don't I don't even have France topping the group. And then if that okay. were to be the case, then they're going to face Argentina in the next round. France are not winning this World Cup, but it's not because of Benzema's injury. It's because of Pogba and Conte's injury. They lost mm-hmm. the heart and soul of their yeah, entire squad. Liam always says that. And and you know what, Chouameni like admirable fierce midfielder very very happy from very happy that he's going to reunite with Fofana in midfield right from the Monaco days because that is a very very good pivot I would even say ahead of Kamavinga who I don't think is as good two ways but he's a hell of an impact sub I think that France much like England much like Portugal actually have a bit of an identity identity crisis in what it is they're trying to do because the 2018 version of the squad was a, an imbalance for two, three, one with Blaise Matuidi at left midfield to just enable Pogba to play, right? Benzema was exiled from this team for like 10 years. I don't think they rely on him to score. Mm -hmm. I think that the absences of Nkunku, who I thought was going to have a massive tournament. Same. Presno Kimpembe, who's a unicorn, right? They're the heart of their midfield. And now Benzema is just kind of the cherry on top here because we know what a difference maker he can be and how teams can just turn to him to get the job done when, when all else fails. But I think there's a million reasons that you could say why France won't win the World Cup well before Benzema's injury came up. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. And yeah. and that's why I, I've been saying that they're my biggest World Cup flop, even with mm-hmm. Benzema. But I just I my heart goes to Benzema right now because I just what he's doing. Liam and I've talked about it so many times on the show. What he's been doing in the later years of his career, we're, we're happy for him, but we're almost sad that we're getting mm-hmm. that Benzema for a shorter period of time. Do you know what I yeah. mean? And He's almost kind of been in the shadows at Real Madrid by the big superstars, like even Cristiano Ronaldo, right? Like you wouldn't necessarily think to talk about Benzema when you have a Ronaldo on your team. So we're, I'm just, I just really wanted it for him. So I was sad, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. You know, my biggest flop here, you want to know who it is? It's not France. I feel like it's harsh to give it to France because they have so much, like, I feel like it'd be France if France had their full squad. But because they're injured, I'm like, eh, it's tough to it's tough for me to say because mm-hmm. I feel like the expectations are way lower now because we know how many key players are missing for them. For me, it's Belgium. I think Belgium are gonna be the flops of the tournament. That's what my dad said. Yeah. I'm happy to think, explain why, Liam. 
I was going to say, do you think they make it out of the group and then don't advance past further? No. Or do you have Croatia? I don't think they Canada? make it out of the group. I think that, well, here's the thing. So credibility goes out the window when Canada play because I will not be a Canadian diehard Canadian men's national team fan and say that they're not making it out of the group, regardless of whether or not that's going to happen. I'm going to say they finish second in the group solely because if I don't, who will, right? If we don't say that they will, who's going to? To hell mm-hmm. with the credibility. I think Belgium are old. I think they're horribly imbalanced. I think they have the best midfielder in the world and he doesn't play in midfield. And I think that they play with such a high line with such an old defensive unit. Like, do you know that Jan Vertonghen has been in the squad since Canada's first World Cup appearance? He's been in there (laughs) since 1986. Do you know that? Like, when I learned that stat, I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. But you guys, Portugal has Pepe still in the lineup. Oh, you know how I feel about Pepe. Don't even talk to me about Pepe. That's because Fernando Santos grew up with him. They played and the dinosaur parks together back in 1400 BC. <laughs> Honestly, when I thought Pepe, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I'm like Pepe no. on that roster kills me. But yeah, believe me, I'm not. I'm not advocating on behalf of old center backs here. <laughs> believe me, uh, I just think Belgium have so many things wrong with them, and it's overlooked by just, like Kevin De Bruyne just papers the cracks. They're like, yeah, so you bring up a lot of good points, but what about Kevin De Bruyne? And I'm like, listen, I'm a City fan. I'll, I'll praise Kevin De Bruyne all day long. I, there comes a point where you're like, it doesn't matter here. Kevin De Bruyne's not going to stop them from conceding, from getting ripped apart in transition. And Morocco can do that to them. Canada can do that to them. And from a midfield perspective, Croatia is going to dominate them because they play with the Belgium's formation usually is like a 3-4-3 iteration. Are you kidding me? Like Luka Vodric is going to eat that up all day. I think they're going to be just the biggest flops of this tournament. And I don't even think that if Lukaku is there, my opinion would change that much. I think they're just going to be dominated. That's what we said last hmm. show. We said uh, we said Canada tops the group now that Lukaku's injured. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think they're going to finish second. I'm going to give credit to. I, I hate I hate not giving more credit to Morocco because my my brain says Morocco is going to f- advance. My heart says Canada, so I'm going to put Canada. But I think I disrespected Croatia in the last tournament, and I won't do it again. I think that Croatia are going to top this group by just beating everybody in midfield. And if I'm wrong, so be it. At least I'm giving credit to a 37-year-old Luka Modric who's just still at the top of his game. Nice. Do you not worry that Croatia isn't going to be able to score enough goals? No, I, I don't think... Listen, I, I think in tournaments like this, games are won in midfield. And I think they have so much quality there that has crossed the line. And yes, they probably are past their best. I think we saw the pinnacle of their powers in 2018. I'm just mm-hmm. not that concerned because I I don't think they will be dominated or controlled. I think they're capable of shutting teams out, winning games in midfield. And then if they're not scoring, I mean, it only takes one, right? And if you're not worried about conceding and you can afford a little bit more luxury and take those risks um, further up the pitch, then why not? Why should you, you, you do need those goal scorers though, right? And that's, yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. There, but I there's... mean, I don't think Morocco have a has a have a designated goal scorer in the same way. I don't think Canada. I mean, we could say, listen, we're going to praise the Canadians all day long, but we see it do, them doing it in this in this level, right at, at this level of the game. We don't see it necessarily at the at the highest. The the biggest right. most prolific striker in the group is Lukaku, and he's not there. So, it's like, true. I don't think any group has a has a feared number nine. So, I kind of think that just levels the playing field a little bit in terms of nines winning these games. I think it'll be through width in transition or taking over midfield and uh, ultimately like that's that's just where i'm at with it yeah i actually thought so my biggest flop is spain i just think japan could kind of overwhelm them a little bit with the speed and Mm -hmm. germany's a good team costa rica i don't think it'll be great but 
who knows? They have Kaylin Navas. Maybe he could yeah. steal him a match. The story uh, of 2014. Let's turn back the clock here. Yeah, no, let's not. I didn't like that one for England. So, <laughs> um, I guess quickly on that Canadian group, I actually think it was probably one of the hardest groups to kind of decide, mostly okay. because obviously we know a little bit more about the Canadian team than probably yeah. most people do going going into this World Cup for obvious reasons. When you look at it, I think everyone like like I picked Belgium to finish first in this group. I just think mm. the X factors on their team are in key positions, like a Trois, De Bruyne, and then obviously you have the Hazard factor too, because he just kind of shows up for Belgium. Croatia, I worried about the goals. Morocco, I think, is is very interesting because they have so many guys returning to that squad who just haven't yeah. been part of it for so long. And then obviously Canada, like it could really go any way possible. I don't disagree with anything you said, Nathan. I think you're absolutely correct in the defenders are just so old. Like both of them play now back in Belgium. Like yeah. they don't play against great opposition. So I don't know if that's such a high line. And I think that's like, they're just going to get, exp- I think Morocco and Canada will rip them apart in transition because of that high line. And I, I cannot be convinced that Belgium are going to set up in a low block and they're not going to play back four because they haven't done that. Right. Like what we've seen from them is a three, four, three. We've seen what their identity is. I don't think they're going to change that two days before the tournament starts. And we yeah. just saw it two days mm-hmm. ago. They got shredded by Egypt. Shredded. Yeah. <laughs> right when Stefano Stacchio is dictating that midfield and you have the you know the Davies and the Buchanans of the world in those wide areas that's a dangerous game for them to have the line that high I don't think Canada are going to be worried about being suffocated and Morocco the exact same thing goes for them and speaking yeah. of Davies he uh he said that he's he, I know that these Back. guys are media trained right so like yeah. they have the right answers to say but maybe we can be hopeful that he gets in in that Belgium game maybe it's for a half right like maybe it's just to get his yeah get that shake the world cup nerves off and, and to get his, you know, match minutes. And then he doesn't play the second half, but it'd be nice to see him on that pitch because I think it's a complete team when you have Alfonso Davies out on the field. So obviously you, even like I was listening to the broadcast, I completely agree with what Janine Becky said on TSN. She said, even Alfonso Davies at 75%, you'd want him on the field. So I would never argue that. I completely agree. I think there's probably a time for like saving your stars, but I mean, Canada from the world's perspective has three games here. Yeah. What exactly oh, are you yeah. saving them for? You right. Can't if, save if, it. if you're not, if you're not fit, don't play. But if you think you're good to go, you, you have to, because there's not other chances here to, to pick up these points. Canada's not going to make a deep run into the competition. I don't think even if they make it out of the group, right. And they finish second, they're going to face Germany in the next round, mm-hmm. you know, the the Alfonso Davies Bayern Munich Derby if, if for all intents and purposes. But I, I mean, like realistically, if that's the end of the line for the Canadian men's national team, I'm happy with how much they would have done it up to that point. I don't think there's any sense in shielding Alfonso Davies for the important games against Morocco or Croatia if we can snag one against Belgium because he will be an X factor in that game. And I don't think that I think if he's not fit, then then forget it. But I mean, if he's talking about being ready, there's no time to waste here. You got three games. Agreed. Agreed. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, tomorrow's games. We'll wrap this episode up just for timing purposes. England yeah. and Iran at 6 a.m. Mountain Time. Senegal, Netherlands, 9 a.m. Mountain Time. And then USA, Wales, 12 p.m. Mountain Time. These are really, really good games to watch mm-hmm. tomorrow. I'm going to be watching every single one of them. Let's give like yeah. a quick, what do we think the score line is going to be for each game? <sighs> Liam, you start us off because yeah, I want to know you're the Englishman. England, 3-0 okay. against Iran. Wow. 
I think they'll just try and come out in a big way for this tournament. It's not been good for them recently. They gotta really make a statement first game. Maybe that's my heart talking more than anything else. What was the second one? Senegal, Netherlands. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'll go two one Netherlands. And then USA Wales, I will go two two. Okay. That's good. Ooh. Go I ahead, like Nathan. the two two shout for USA Wales. I was actually gonna say the same thing. Um, you know, for England, I, I I I'm excited to see how they approach the game, really, because the way that they approach the game will will affect the scoreline, obviously. But I think if they have a who can have less possession contest with Iran, who are so well coached and require so few touches to yep. be clinical. If they try to be expansive, England center backs are not the strongest. Now they're not terrible players, especially against the quality of Iran, but I think Iran are capable of hurting them, which leads me to believe England are going to play more defensive and not as expansive because they don't want to get hurt. So I think a comfortable, like one or two nil is probably a good shout for England. I'd still trust them, the quality to persevere. I think Netherlands are going to come out and make that statement. I think they're going to come out playing their 3-4-1-2 and they're going to rip Senegal to shreds. And I don't love that because I do want to see the African nation succeed. I think it's it's more fun when a World Cup has like every continent kind of succeeding. But I think Netherlands are not going to be kind here. And I think that game, I, I see it being like a good 3-4-1. If they can see it, could be 3-4-0. No. And then for USA-Wales, same thing, 2-2. I think that'll be exciting. Okay. England, Iran, I'm going to say 2-1. Harry Maguire own goal. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I want Harry Maguire to have the tournament of his life. I really do. We talk about this on Kicked Back all the time. I really hope this is his tournament where he kind of like gets everyone to stop hating on him. So, But 2-1, not Harry Maguire's fault on the goal, by the way. Um, right. Netherlands, Senegal, I'm going to say 3-0. Holland, Netherlands. Um, and that, I think that would have been different if Sadio Mane was playing, I would have given Senegal maybe at least a goal there. Um, and then USA, Wales, I'm going to say two, one USA. Interesting. But you do have them coming out of the group, right? I do have them coming out of the group. This game to me, this game to me is going to be the most exciting. And I'm very excited about England and Iran. I love, I'm not just saying this because Liam's my co-host, but England might be my favorite team to watch at the World Cup. There's just something about them since I was a kid that it just, I get so excited every time they play. That's a game that I'll have no problem getting up for at 5.30 in the morning. But USA-Wales is the most exciting game for me because I really want to know how Burhalter lines this USA team up and how, Mm -hmm. if Mm -hmm. he's made any adjustments to this team. And my prediction could be very wrong. And I'll know tomorrow if this USA team fixed everything they needed to fix in terms of their system and their tactics, or if Burhalter is just like this stubborn coach who doesn't care for his team's success, like who has this talented roster and he's just playing right. them the wrong way. So we'll see tomorrow. That's one game I'm excited for. But if, if Berhalter can like pick the team properly and put them in the proper places, I think that the U S can beat this whale, this Wales team. Mm-hmm. All right. Liam, can I ask see. you a question before we wrap here? Go ahead. It's one question. And I want you to answer it with all the conviction in the world. Liam, is football coming home? Yes. Football's <laughs> coming home, isn't it? It's coming home. Well, Liam said my... that if, if England won, that he would sing the song for two hours on repeat live. I'm here for it. That's a jersey and a half. Liam, you got to make some contributions here to the jersey wall because I'll shout you out every time. I need this jersey <laughs> wall expanded from all corners of the world. And I have a Wayne Rooney England jersey somewhere here. It's uh, it's right over here. But uh you know, l- l- gone are the days of, of Rooney. I need a Phil Foden one up here now. 
Yeah, maybe yeah, if I do. can find my Stuart Holden Bolton Wanderers one, we can figure something out. <laughs> uh, I wanted to give a quick shout out because we spoke about him before, but I just, I forgot to bring this up. So Valencia, obviously, I think people would know him from when he played in the Premier League with West Ham and Everton. But this guy is having a really, really good season with Fenerbahce. Yes. He has 13 goals in 12 games. That is the most goals he's had in a season since, let me look here. Oh, ever. He's 33 <laughs> years old. And this guy is just the having Twilight. a career year. It's yeah. unbelievable. It's great that he's been able to bring it over into the World Cup. Fingers crossed he can be healthy and keep playing for yeah. Ecuador and break that World Cup record now. I love yeah. that you brought that up, Liam, because when I was on Twitter, everyone, hopefully Twitter survives this entire World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> this entire World Cup and we could still keep referencing it in December but everyone was saying anyone who watches this guy play for his club this has been like a consistent performance for him so like you said I, I really hope that he continues that into the World Cup on on an international stage because it'd be so cool for him to maybe solidify some type of historic feat for himself or his country it'd be awesome for him to finish that way which Nathan like you said could be his last ever World Cup yeah the call it's kind of like that's what we yeah do. it's kind of like that guy uh who did it for ghana his name's slipping away from me now but he won number three guyan was that his name guyan i think but when ghana went to the semi-final uh almost went to the semi-finals yeah. no thanks to luis suarez yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was he was so good for them throughout and like he was kind of just like a very good striker like he played for sunderland in the premier league but then turned up for the world cup that's kind of the vibes i have for valencia right now for ecuador so Fingers crossed for him, like I said, and we can just keep seeing just good football at this World Cup. That's all we want. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think, yeah, it's going to be an exciting World Cup. And Kicked Back's going to be getting out episodes as much as we can throughout the week, updating you guys on everything that we can. So this was our opening day ep episode presented by Uber One. Thank you guys for listening. And yeah, enjoy the World Cup. We kind of have a bit of a break now today. And then even tomorrow, because tomorrow's three games instead of four. Uh, so tomorrow's kind of a break and then you're in full swing come Tuesday. So yeah. thanks everyone for listening. This has been kicked back with Liam, Nathan, and Caroline presented by Uber one. And we'll be back later in the week. That's a wrap for another episode of Kickback, and thanks so much for listening. You can catch Caroline and Liam here every single week on Tuesdays and Thursdays to give you the latest rundown on all things football. Please don't forget to subscribe and give us a nice five-star rating. Please and thank you. And for even more Kickback content, follow the 90th Minute on all your favorite social channels. See you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.